0: Hi everyone, on today's After Dark Analysis we are going to be looking at torture porn, splatter flicks, gore films, whatever you'd like to call them, it's kind of all the same thing. Torture porn takes its roots in both the guinea pig franchise as well as Ricky O's story of Ricky. Both of these movies are very important branches of the same tree. Guinea pig, while we have to suspend our disbelief on how much damage the human body can actually take, There's plenty of examples I can give on how much it actually can, but just look up concentration camps if you're really curious. Humans, while fragile, can withstand a surprising amount. So while we did suspend our disbelief on how much she could take, it stayed pretty realistic to how the human body works. Or at least comparatively realistic because Rikkyo's story of Ricky just has human bodies doing things they should not be able to do. Also, filled with way more blood than they should be. They totally took the anime blood role on this one. Now if you've noticed, all I've been talking about are foreign titles. Didn't really start to see this one creep into America until the cannibal exploitation trend. Cannibal exploitation normally rested around the exact same premise. Group of white people go in to see an indigenous population, probably never seen white people before, and to try and learn about their customs. Either through a fault of the white people, or the people that preceded them in the case of Cannibal Holocaust, they all get murdered dead because who are the real savages? White people that went in and committed the atrocities, or this tribe that was simply trying to defend themselves. Is it a flimsy premise for a film? Oh yeah, is the moral kind of ham-fisted in there to give it some kind of point in cultural context? For the most part, yeah. It wasn't until the film Cannibal Holocaust came out, which I feel like I've discussed like 20,000 times on this channel. Cannibal Holocaust is what kind of broke this in America and in the West in general to mainstream audiences and they were having none of it. Bubble burst very soon after that film, just due to reactions and mainstream audiences not liking this idea. But as is horror's custom, it rose again like a phoenix from the ashes when mainstream audiences were introduced and fully embraced films like Hostel and Saw and even Passion of the Christ. Passion of the Christ, totally a torture porn film about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, people just kind of let it go for the violence because it was, they felt an important story to their faith. Since it's completely based off the crucifixion of Christ, I understand why people took that kind of different view of it, but we really are watching Jesus get beat down for like an hour or two. Most parents wouldn't let their kid go see Cannibal Holocaust, or Hostel, or Saw, but they would take him to see Passion of the Christ. Not judging, just saying that we absolutely are talking about massive amounts of gore with that film. Especially considering it is a mainstream, non-horror title, I would never see Passion of the Christ put in the horror section, nor should it be, but it was something audiences had never really seen before in that context. So what's up with the constant rise, fall, rise, fall of the torture porn genre? Well, there's a couple of things. Humans, as a species, tend to be kind of morbidly curious. Most of us won't admit to it, some are a little bit more honest about it than others, but we all seem to have this curiosity in the world around us and sometimes that runs to very dark places. This idea is so widely accepted that King of the Hill even made a joke about it where Peggy Hill shows her husband Hank a scrapbook of just newspaper clippings about horrific things that have happened to people. And she goes, this is how normal people cope. Normal's debatable. Um, cope's debatable. But this isn't something that is abnormal totally for people to do. A similar joke was made in the film Serial Mom, where the mother, played by Kathleen Turner, did the same thing. She cut out newspaper clippings about horrific accidents and murders. She had correspondence going with serial killers. There's actual groupie bases formed around serial killers. Now this site seemed totally mental to some people, but this is what some quote unquote normal people do. These people are totally sane. They're totally rational. They're just willing to admit this morbid curiosity a little more than most. It should also be noted that since we have a 24-hour news cycle now and the internet, we are seeing much more graphic content than ever before. TV is still relatively new in terms of terrible things happening. Vietnam wasn't all that crazy long ago and was considered the first war brought into people's living rooms because of the broadcast and because the technology had come along. Now, while the 8 o'clock news might not show you something terrible or sensationalize something, your Facebook feed will. Your Twitter feed will. If you don't believe me, look at the unfortunate case of Caitlin Nicole Davis. She chose to live stream her hanging herself. It was a 45-minute video, and about 20 minutes from my understanding is her lifeless body just hanging there. While I pointed out in the snuff episode, people deciding to record suicides or publicly execute people isn't super uncommon. It's becoming more frequent. There's been cases of people live streaming where they've been shot. How often are we seeing dash cam footage coming out of horrific accidents where we see the accident from first hand? It's getting so commonplace, it's freaking clickbait now. Somebody's life should not be a tool for you to get views. So horror in this instance is kind of just echoing real life and how much violence we've seen and been exposed to and become accustomed to. Look at how many beheading videos get passed around Facebook. Look at how rarely they're removed. I can't even count the number of statuses I've seen from friends of mine saying if you post beheading videos on your wall I'm just defriending you. It's become incredibly casual and it is still feeding this voyeuristic idea, but it's doing it with something real. And you can argue, and it's kind of one of those, is it the chicken or the egg, since news has become more violent, horror is becoming slightly more violent. We keep pushing the envelope further and further. You can make a few arguments for that, either they have to combat what you're seeing in real life, or that horror as a genre tends to get stale from time to time. Seen a lot of the same stories over and over and over again, especially when you have a film that relies heavy on kills. We can only see Freddy's glove tear somebody apart so many times, we can only see Jason's machete come down over somebody so many times, and we can only see Michael Myers stab somebody a couple of times before it gets stale and boring. While these franchises just chose to give them weird or superhuman abilities or get more creative with the kills, newer films have to push the envelope further and further and further to get noticed. And they have to get creative, or else no one's gonna care. This is something that's really interesting about the horror community because fans feel very attached and very connected to it, especially since it's so small so often. So not only do you have people that want to write, direct, act, you have people that want to go into special effects. They want to mimic Tom Savini, Lon Chaney. So you have this group of homegrown artists kind of crafting and honing their skills. And the way you do that is to get more and more graphic or more and more intricate. You want more and more realism, unless you're going against realism, which then again you have to hone that and make your own style. And you can argue honing this craft is a form of grappling with the everyday horror that can be real life. Tom Savini was a photographer during Vietnam and he admitted that pretty much all he would do was walk around and take pictures of dead bodies. So his way of coping with that and being able to, quote unquote, come back from Vietnam was he convinced himself that everything on the other side of the lens was fake. So not only was it a coping mechanism for him to be on the other side of the lens and try and distance himself from how horrific everything was, it gave him this baseline of real death to hone and make things as realistic as he could because he was just exposed to it and those images unfortunately are probably never going away out of his head. We also see this love of the underdog, and that might sound weird of how in the world is it a good thing that we're rooting for people in torture porn. I think this can be best explained using the Hostel franchise. In the first Hostel film, the underlying moral is these kids went to the hostel, they went to this exotic location and were exploiting resources, women, and just being overall disrespectful to the culture. Them getting attacked in the hostel is kind of their penance, a la the cannibal exploitation genre. It's very flimsy in it, but it's still there. When we see a Japanese tourist also get hurt, she has a blowtorch taken to her eye. It's rated as one of the top scenes out of that franchise. It always ranks about the middle of the list. Because it was rather graphic, it was rather gory. So we see this girl go through all this hell and get out and still try and fight. The problem is eventually she sees her own reflection and chooses to end her own life by jumping in front of a train. Cause she just can't live with the idea of this deformity of her eye is missing, it's gone, there's no saving it. And just the flesh around her eye is just burnt. And her death, well, yeah, rather gory, it's also very heart-wrenching. You feel very connected to this girl because you watched her go through these terrible things and fight all this way to give up. It's safe to say most people don't feel like they're at the top of the food chain. They don't feel like they've accomplished everything they wanted to. Most of us absolutely relate to the underdog. Even the guy you know that has the way better house and the way better car and the way better job probably still relates to the underdog because there's probably something he's back there working for that you don't know about. So the underdog has always been a very easy connection to make with your viewership and putting them through more and more intense hell makes it a little bit more relatable. It makes you feel more connected. It makes you feel like, oh wow, that's, that's awful. But I, I'm so happy they're trying to still fight even though they're going through all these things. We always want to have somebody to root for. And in the Cabin in the Woods type of films where you had the bunch of teenagers and the killer, it was getting to the point where we were rooting for like Jason and Michael and Freddy. This was a way of kind of taking that back, making people and villains much, much more menacing. Look at a slasher like Hatchet or Lay Rest. The characters in those films are much more brutal than their predecessors. They also give you a little bit more empathy back to what we're supposed to be the victims. It also gives us a sense of catharsis when either the big bad guy is killed or he's locked away. It's the exact same way with serial killers in real life. While yeah, you have these serial killer obsessed groupies, it's also our fascination and fixation with serial killers, mass shooters, things like that, because we just want to understand. It's just something people in their right mind, and even not right mind, don't get because they wouldn't do that, and they haven't been in a place that would make them do that. We still don't know what makes people do that. So it's our way of kind of trying to understand that aspect of our real life, and try and put ourselves in the other side of it, of like, what in the world is going on here? When a real life killer is put away, or they're sentenced to die, we feel this almost joy. I remember the day Timothy Big Bay was executed. People were just thrilled. At the point I had experienced death close to me, I just never thought I would see the idea of people celebrating a death. But once I grew up and figured out what he did, I can see why people were happy. It was the same with figures like Osama bin Laden and Saddam Hussein. And while I'm not saying any of this in real life is necessarily a bad or a good thing, I'm just saying it's an understandable thing. People have always had this fascination and this curiosity, it's just to the extent that they're honest about it or seek it out. Georgia porn allows this release and this escapism with that safety net of knowing it's fake. Even in cases like Snuff or Cannibal Holocaust where people thought, oh God, maybe this is real, you saw the reaction of people just being disgusted by it. How old is Cannibal Holocaust and people are still upset about that turtle scene? I still am. I hate it. I fast forward through it each and every time. Because that's when the film crossed the line from fake to real. This fake gives viewers, horror fans, and non-horror fans this outlet to deal with that, out any sense of this was a real person who was hurt. Is horror gonna keep getting more graphic and violent? Yeah, probably. But once the torture porn genre got oversaturated and too many films like this came out that was just kill after kill, people got bored of it. So it's gonna have to come back in such a way that people are gonna wanna watch it again. So either there's gonna have to be a big societal shift or they're gonna have to get super creative to get people back in the seats. Thank you for listening. Please like, comment, subscribe, some kind of interaction. Very much appreciated. Thank you.